Well, today is a great, great day. And today I'm going to uh, start a, a verse-by-verse series through the book of Ruth. So if you would find the book of Ruth, it's fairly small in the Old Testament. Uh, it's near the front. Uh, it's right after the Torah, the Pentateuch, the five uh, books of, of the, uh, the uh, first five books of the Old Testament that Moses wrote. I'm just trying to do some uh, Old Testament history for you. You've know, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Then you're going to hit Joshua. That's an exciting book. Then you're going to hit Judges. And right after the Judges, you've got Ruth. It's four-chapter uh, book. Ruth's an exciting book. How many of you have ever studied the book of Ruth? Excellent, excellent. Fantastic book. It uh, has far more in there than you can ever imagine. Though it's small, it's, it's impactful. And I thought this would be a great uh, book to look at as we, uh, we get closer to the time of Easter and we talk about redemption. Because this whole book's about redemption, what God can do uh, to redeem His people, even in some of the most un, uh, un, uh, unexpected circumstances that, uh, that we have. In short, thinking about Ruth, how are these two people uh, that we'll encounter in this book come, come together? And now, you remember Abraham, Father Abraham, and he also had Lot in his day. Well, uh, Abraham and Lot were, were separated. Abraham had children, and going down Abraham's line, you've got Judah and Boaz. In Lot's uh, uh, family tree, you'll end up with Moab, and the Moabites were separate from the Jews. And from the Moabites, Ruth comes. So you've got these two family trees that are going to begin to uh, converge together when you hit Boaz and Ruth, and then they're going to have Obed, Jesse, and eventually King David. The time period of the Judges was 1100 BC, period of Israel's rebellion and immorality. To understand that, that what's happening here, not everybody's following the Lord. Who wrote the book of Ruth? A lot of people say Ruth did, but it mentions David in it. And so she would not have known at the time, perhaps, you know, unless she was much older and, and still alive at the time. But somebody wrote the book of Ruth and, and testifies about uh, David within it. The theme of Ruth is the kinsman, the goel. The root meaning of Goel means one who redeems. The Goel was the nearest male blood relative alive who was able to redeem. In Titus chapter 2, verse 14, we realize that uh, who gave himself, talking about Jesus, Jesus gave himself up to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Jesus is the ultimate redeemer, and we'll see a foreshadowing of that in the life of Boaz. To summarize the book of Ruth that we'll be unpacking over the next four weeks, we have a famine, a family, a funeral, a couple of funerals, fear, a field, a friendship, a feeding, a fondness, and a fulfillment of a future. Took me a while to get all those. I don't know why I love alliteration, but it helps me remember because I'm a pretty simple guy. 
But today, really, what I want us to focus on is chapter 1, and everybody loves the beautiful love story of Boaz and Ruth and how it all comes together, but chapter 1 is not one of the most encouraging chapters. It's actually one of the most depressing chapters in all of the Bible. There's a lot of death, a lot of disappointment, a lot of bitterness that takes place in this, uh, in this chapter. And, and I just want us to put ourselves in the sandals of the individuals in this chapter because I believe we can relate at times. Have you ever had some times in your life, and maybe they were longer seasons than expected, where you were discouraged? You felt defeated? You felt like the whole world fell apart and you didn't know what to do, where to go, how to respond? Sometimes you give up hope. Sometimes you look at everything around you and you're saying, this isn't working and I, I just don't know if I can go on. I think if, if you even had a little bit of that, that kind of sense in your life, you will be able to relate very well with the, the people in this chapter. This was not a, a hope-filled chapter, though hope was coming. We have the benefit of having all four chapters. When you're in the midst of the difficulty, you don't see the next chapters coming. You think this is the end. You think God has abandoned you. And so, today I want us to focus on the theme of redemption, which is the theme of the book. I want us to focus on the reality that there is redemption that comes through the difficulties. Every one of us have difficulties, challenges. There are varying degrees of, of those. And sometimes when you think you've gone through just a mess and, and you come out of it, you think, oh good, I won't have to deal with those things anymore. And they come and rear their ugly head again. In this chapter, I think we can learn how we should respond when difficulties come. When we trust a God who can redeem even the most horrendous situations we face. Some of you may be carrying a burden, whether you're in this room or you're watching online. Some of you are carrying a burden that you just can't carry anymore. You're at your wit's end. You're throwing in the towel. You're saying, does it matter anymore? I want you to hear God's word today that hope is coming. God is not done. And you may be giving up on your own uh, efforts, your, your own abilities, but God is more powerful if you would just learn to trust in Him. Completely surrender your control to His and see what kind of blessing will come out of that. This is the redemption we'll see in this book. There are four areas I want to see how we respond. I'm going to show you in this chapter alone that, that we respond physically, we respond relationally, we respond spiritually, and we respond emotionally to things that happen in, a, uh, in our lives. And so I want to focus on the physical aspect. How uh, uh, those in this chapter responded to their challenges physically. And here's the question for us. Where do I run when times get hard You've had some difficult days, I'm sure. Where do you run when times get hard? Look at verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn to travel in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. 
Now, I just want to pause there for a moment. Uh, these, the names are very important. You may not name your children these things, but I would consider it. But before I ever consider naming a child, I want to know the definition of the name. If it sounds great, like I said to, to Jennifer, let's have Jezebel Jordan. That just sounds beautiful. She voted against me, and of course, you know the reason why. All right, so the names mean something, and so I want you to know who we're reading about. Elimelech means, my God is king. I want you to remember that as we see how he responds to the challenges of his life. Naomi's name, Naomi means pleasant. Malon means sickly. I don't know why you would name your child sickly unless he just came out and he was just, oh, he's sickly. All right, that's what his name is. It doesn't get much better with the next uh, child, Kilion. His name is wasting away. So here you have pleasant, my God is king, and sickly and wasting away. What a family. Love to get that Christmas card. So they were... Uh, if, uh, um, Ephratites uh, from Bethlehem and Judah, and they went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. Now, I want you to know what's going on in this time period, that there was a difficult famine uh, taking place in their day. And the family was needing to, to respond, Elimelech being, my God is king, is determining what do we do in famine in our land. We're in the promised land, but there's a challenge here. And so they, they pick up. And they run off to a foreign land. Ran to the area that was more fertile at that time. Reminds me of his ancestor, Lot. Abraham gave him a choice. Which land do you want? Lot went to the most fertile of the lands. But it didn't end up being fertile for his family, did it? Same thing here. Elimelech says, we're going we're to take off and go to the fertile land. Even though it was a wicked place. Their goal wasn't evangelism. Their goal was self-preservation as they went to this area. They get there. And this father died. Interesting that he ran away from God in his land to save his own life. And ended up losing his life. It reminds me of Matthew 16, 25, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so what takes place here? Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. Verse 4, these, took, uh, they, these, took, these two boys took Moabite uh, wives. The name of one was Orpah, not Oprah, as somebody will say. It's Orpah which means gazelle. She's fast. She's a runner. And the name of the other was Ruth. And Ruth means friendship or companion. And they lived there about 10 years. And both Malon and Kilion then died. It doesn't seem like a great place for men to live. So that the, uh, the women... Uh, was left, or the woman was left without her two sons and her husband... Fascinating here, these, this family who 
lives under the, the auspices of God is my king, when times get tough, rather than, than, than digging in and, and praying to God and staying firm where they were, they took off to, to solve their own problems. Dad dies, then the two sons marry foreign women that they were uh, uh, told not to do based on the law that they were living under. And, and they marry these two Moabite women, and then they live 10 years, and then they died, and now you have these three women looking at each other going, what do we do next? These are challenging days for these women. And when times get tough, what do you do? Physically, how do you respond? Do you run away from God when you have challenges, or do you run to God? Do you run to your own solutions, or do you seek God for His? Elimelech ran away looking with his own human eye, saying, that will be better. He lost his life, and his sons did as well. I believe we ought to learn as believers to trust God in all circumstances and run to him for his solutions and not our own. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 tells us, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Somebody in this room needs to hear that today. Do not be anxious about your own life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body or what you're going to put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Elimelech made a wrong decision. But even in these challenges, God is going to work it out good. And you and I are benefactors of this. I love Romans 8.28. I trust that you've memorized it, and if you haven't, you should. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And this is something that was written many uh, years after Naomi's life. But this is something she's going to learn. Even in the challenges, the difficulties. Even when you're leading yourself in, in a sinful way. When you turn back to God and love him. He will work it all together for good. Not all things are good. But he can turn any disaster situation into a divine appointment for his redemption. This is how they responded physically. Where are you going to run when times get hard? Here's the second thing. It's relationally. Starting in verse 6, it's going to show us how they're going to relate with one another. And so this is what I ask of you. Who do I want with me when times get hard? When difficulties come, you hear uh, negative news. You, you find uh, something uh, tra tragic in your life. Who do you want with you in those moments? I know some faces and names are popping in your mind even right now. But unfortunately, though, some are in this room and some sitting at home going, I don't have anybody. And to be isolated and to not have a friend, not have a family member that truly cares and accepts you for, for who you are is one of the most challenging things in our lives. It's not the challenge that we have. It's the, the isolation and the lack of genuine, heartfelt connection with one another. People who know you and still love you. <laughs> well, how was Naomi going to respond to this, this, this time? Who does she want around her? And you're going to see she doesn't want anybody around her. 
In verse 6, Then she, Naomi, arose with her daughters-in-law to return to, uh, uh, from the country of Moab, and she wanted to re return by herself. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the land had visited, uh, that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Oh, we ran away to a fertile land. I've lost my husband. I've lost my sons. But now I'm hearing the Lord is blessing back home. So I'm going to go back there. So, verse 7, so she set out by herself from the place where she was uh, with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But verse 8 tells us, but Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each of you to your mother's house. Basically, these girls are following her, and she says, pause, hold on. And I think out of love, but also out of her own uh, bitterness that she feels right now, she's just like, I can't take care of you. This is out of love. I can't take care of you. You just need to go back home. Perhaps you'll find another husband. I, I can't have you come along with me. But she's also saying, I want you to just get away. I need time by myself. And she says, go, return. And then she says, may the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Verse 9, and the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Where are they going to find rest? These two Moabite women did not follow the Lord. And Naomi right now is struggling with her own relationship with the Lord. Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Who do you want with you in times of challenge and difficulty? The very first person that you can have in your life today, right now, is Jesus Christ. That to be in the, the presence of the Lord is the overflowing joy that, that is possible through Him. Human relationships are vital, but a spiritual relationship with the Lord is absolutely essential. So she tells them basically to go away. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. I mean, they're crying aloud, and, and, and they, they feel the, the pain. They have lost their husbands, the, the, the mother-in-law that has treated them with such kindness and, and joy and, and dignity is now telling them to go away, and they, they, they just don't know how to go on. And so they're crying out uh, with their voices, and tears are being shed. In verse 10, and they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. You can imagine the agony right here. Grief is one of the most challenging things we'll ever go through. Grief is not a bad thing. It's a, it's a gift given to us by God. All of us at times of loss grieve. It's, it's, it's natural. But it's how we go through the process of grief that makes all the difference. And having people near us is important. And sometimes the people near us shouldn't say a word. Just being in the presence of people is the most precious gift sometimes. Where you can cry out at times, other times you can just be still. Do you have someone in your life, even right now, that, that if they came over, y'all could sit in the same room for an hour and know each other, love one another, but you don't really have to say anything? These women are grieving and they're crying out. No, we, we feel like our, our, our joy will be just staying together. No, we'll return with you to your people. 
Everybody ever seen Lord of the Rings? You know, they're like 14-hour-long movies. It reminds me of one time Frodo, and I think it was in the first book, Frodo goes, Go back, Sam! I'm going to Mordor alone! And Sam Wise Ganji says, Of course you are! I'm going with you! You know, all of us need a friend like that. When we say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go alone in this world, and somebody who loves us enough says, I know you are, and I'm going to be right there with you. Look at verse 11. But Naomi said, again, for the second time, turn back. I mean, she's saying, return, go away, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be, uh, become your husbands? She says again for the third time, turn back in verse 12. My daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they are grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. You hear her torment in her own soul. I can't birth sons. I can't provide for you. I can't do anything more for you. Just go away. Once again, whereas Elimelech thought of himself and his family first, Naomi also is only thinking of herself for her food, her own preservation, her own spiritual care. These girls are lost. They don't know the Lord. And right now she can't even fathom Carrying them spiritually, financially, emotionally. And Naomi here, who is known as Pleasant, changes her name or begins to change her name to Bitter. You'll see this in just a few moments. Naomi wanted no one in her life at this point. She found too much pain and heartache by loss. But these daughters-in-law wanted her. Relationally, this is how she responded. How are you going to respond relationally when times get hard? Here's the third way to respond, and it's spiritually. And here's the question. What do I commit to when times get hard? How do you respond spiritually? What are you really committed to? Verse 14 says, Then they lifted up their voices and they wept again. You can just imagine what this would sound like. And then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. There's a major difference here. She kissed her, Orpah did, but Ruth clung to her. One is having a physical connection. Another one is not letting go at all. You know, even kisses can come from an enemy like Judas did for Jesus, but Ruth here was clinging to Naomi, like the lame man in Acts 3 who clung. Though he could walk, he, he could not walk, then he could walk, but he was clinging to Peter. He wanted to stay with the one who had impacted his life. And that's what Ruth is doing here. So I want you to see in verse 15. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Hold on. Who just left? Orpah. 
What did Orpah just say a few verses before this? We're, I'm going to go back with you to your people. I'm committed to you always. Here I am. And just a few times that Naomi says, no, just go back, she finally just says, okay. Mother-in-law said it. I'm out of here. But Ruth is in a completely different perspective. The fourth request of, of Naomi to Ruth is return after your sister-in-law. What would she be returning to? To a family of Moabites? What would be she be returning to? Still the heartache of not having a husband? She'd be returning to not having a, a relationship with someone who knows God. She'd be going to be isolated away from God in this situation. But Ruth had something else in her heart. I see here two women who responded to their mother-in-law. Uh, they both cried out. They both wept. They both made promises. But only one stuck with it. Spiritually, there are many who cry out. There are many who weep. Go to a conference, go to a camp, have a, a revival service, have just a, a service in the, in, the, in the church where people are crying out, weeping, making promises to God, and then within days or weeks, they don't follow through and they just go about their other way. Perhaps years go by and they, you can't find them. There are many who cry out, many who feel the pain, many who are grieving, many who, who know they're separated from the relationship with God they need. So they cry out and say, I want it! Like a band-aid that just soothes the soul for a moment, but then they rip the band-aid off later and they just go on. Time always tells who merely profess Christ and who actually possesses Christ. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, he said, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at the crossroads of challenge and controversy. When times get tough, when it's not convenient, when, when relationships are strained, who do you cling to? If it's not God, let me just warn you, you'll not stand in this world or in the next. Verse 16 goes on, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from you, from following you. For where you go, I will go. You hear her intention? I'm going to be stuck to you. Like you just fill in the illustration right there. Words came to mind I didn't think I should share. I'm going to be so close to you. I mean, you're going to turn around. You won't see me because I'm like a part of your back and I'm just there. Wherever you go, I will go. That's her intention. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Boy, there is some intimacy here because there is no social distance. I love you so much. I'm going to be right there with you. Your people shall be my people. That is her identity now. She is saying, I want to be so connected. I want to be just like you. I want to be identified with your people. And listen to these next words. And your God, my God. There is an eternal transformation going on in this heart. 
that Ruth has observed Naomi, even in the grief, she says there's something greater in her than I've seen in the world, and I'm going to follow and become just like you. Where you die, I will die. This is not a temporary commitment. This is an infinite commitment. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything, but death parts from you. Parts me from you. Verse 18, and when Naomi saw that Ruth, uh, she, that she, Ruth, was determined to go with her, she said no more. What? No thanksgiving here? No weeping? No celebrating? Ruth's getting right spiritually, and Naomi is simply spiritually numb. God is working in this situation in a mighty way. And what should have brought Naomi joy still didn't. You could see how not spiritually dead she was, but certainly spiritually numb she was. Her daughter-in-law wants to give her whole life over to the Lord, which should have been, probably was, Naomi's prayer for many years. And now it's coming all the way here where she's committing everything and Naomi still has no emotion. She's emotionally spent. Ruth is lost from a pagan land. She was without God and without hope. But there was something in Naomi and something God was doing within Ruth that brought her to this desire for God. I wonder if we love God enough to cling to him in the times of trouble. And I wonder if we love others enough to invite them to God and that when they come to God, we actually celebrate it. Which leads me to the last portion here to conclude this chapter. Emotionally, we've seen a lot of emotions in here, but I want you to see how Naomi responds emotionally here in verse 19. And here's my question for you. Where is my heart when times get hard? Because the, the altitude of our attitude can make all the difference. Verse 19. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. I mean, Naomi's coming back. And the women, the women said, is this Naomi? What, what do they say? Is this pleasant? Is this the woman who is so pleasant to be around? Is this the woman who, who we so enjoy uh, being in her presence? Is this the one who just overflows her, with her love for the Lord and for others? This is what they knew when she was residing there before. So they say, is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Do not call me pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Call me bitter. Right now, she is in her aged years. She's coming home. She had a reputation from all these years of being a pleasant woman to be around. And she's saying, that's not me right now. I am a bitter Older woman, I have nothing to give. For the Almighty has dealt with me, or dealt very bitterly with me. Almost appears she's blaming God for her, her position. Her emotions are shot. She left her land and she lost her husband and lost her sons. Now she's coming home broken and bitter.
But even God is going to redeem her in this situation. She says, I went away full. And the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned and, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Just some observations. She left full while the famine was beginning. She left from Bethlehem, the house of bread. She came back empty from the fertile, wicked land. No matter what the world provides, it will never fill you like the Lord Jesus Christ will fill you. When Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, he said, give me some, some water. And he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd be asking me for water. Because I would give you water that overflows and you would never thirst again. This is something that Ruth and Naomi are going to be reminded of, that only the Lord can fill us. I love that in this section that God even cares for us when we're broken and bitter. God did not abandon Naomi. He was still working in her life and for her good. Now God may allow us to hit bottom in our lives, but when you get to the bottom, the only place you can look is up. And he is there. Elimelech and Naomi left looking for hope outside of God. Now her only hope is God. In the midst of her difficulties, redemption is going to not only redeem her, but redeem another who was not on the path of righteousness. Ruth now desires a life in God, and Naomi is unable to even enjoy it. She is so low, but God is still in their midst. Ruth also lost a husband. You've got to remember this in this time. But in the midst of her pain, she found a Savior. You'll see this unpacked over the next couple of chapters. When we think about difficulties, I want us to consider the redemption that's possible through Christ. The lessons I learn in this chapter alone is this. In tough times, we ought to run to God. In tough times, we ought to embrace the people around us and receive the love they can give to us. We ought to cling to God and not just kiss Him and give Him just a little acknowledgement. And we ought to stand in a position of rejecting bitterness and looking for His blessings even in the storms of our life. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19 says, And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. If you find yourself empty this morning, let me just encourage you that God can fill you with everything that will satisfy. I'm praying 
for you. Some people in this room may be unbelievers or just have not crossed that, that line of trusting Christ completely. Some of you have known him for years, but right now you're in a position of struggle like a Naomi. And I think about our entire community that are filled with Ruth-type people. They live in the land of the Moabites and they do not know God. And if we're to be sent to them, are we bringing the joy and the truth? Would we be known as pleasant that exudes the love of the Lord for them? And even our own pain and challenges will seek the Lord's strength that we may still present the truth and the love that only Jesus can bring. Even through the difficult times, even through the desperate times, we all need Jesus. Get up close to some people this next couple of weeks. Let them know about Jesus' love. And even confess your own testimonies of trials and, and difficulties and how the Lord has helped you overcome.